Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John. Here with me today is Alex. Hello. Today we're going to talk some game news and maybe some other games and stuff. But before we get to all that, you can find all the places you can listen to the show. Check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network is a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You could subscribe for as low as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks to JZK, Tom Z, David O, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks is joining the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. I'm trying to do this as the Micro Machines guy. Side Quests are where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGamers at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Bam! That was good. My lips are smoking from that. <laughs> Very nice. That was probably one of the best deliveries that I've given of that at a high I speed. I should just copy and paste that for the rest of the <laughs> Yeah, it was episodes. pretty good. <laughs> Leaving the Micro Machines comment, too. What oh, happened to that guy? Did he die? That's a good question. If I'm he did, Google. I bet he died really fast. <laughs> he had a, he had, his his deathbed uh, uh, pronouncement was several pages long. <laughs> <laughs> John Mashita Jr. Uh, let's find out if uh, is the world's fastest talking man. Like, is he actually like that's uh, like Guinness records, like world's fastest talking man? He's uh, sixty nine years old. He's born in fifty four. So he looked sixty nine when we were like I know. five. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like. He's just talking one of those that, guys. Talking been... that fast, like, apparently keeps all your metabolism, like, in shape, and yeah. uh, you don't age, so. Even, there's, there's a picture on his Wikipedia, he's got a Wikipedia article, which is awesome, and uh, he's not, uh, there's a picture of him from 2015, he looks pretty good, which I guess is about 10 years ago at this point, but, uh, yeah, no, I think. Uh, yeah, no, that's him for sure. Yeah. That's crazy. Can, is he on Cameo? We should get him to oh. deliver that. We should get him to read that whole thing as fast as he can. That would be so funny. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, he should be. He's he got to be, be on somebody, there. Somebody should get him. He is on there. Yes. <laughs> uh, $75 for a personal video with John Mashita Jr. That's amazing. Good to know. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Anyways, bumpers for the network. Yes, horror movie yearbook. Uh, this week, I believe, they, or soon, they will be talking about Saw X or 10, which is the recent release in the Saw franchise. Came out September 29th of this year. I wonder if it's Socks. So- <laughs> <laughs> Saw is one of those franchises. I have seen none of them. But You've, you haven't even seen the first one. I've never even seen the first one. But all I know is that the continuity there is a there is a very there is a continuity through line through these movies where like the third one is a prequel to the first one, and like even like the first the first line or what is this uh, what does this say here? Wikipedia says the film is the tenth installment in the Saw film franchise or Saw film series, serving as both a direct sequel to Saw and a prequel to Saw Two. And it's the tenth movie, but it's somehow second in chronology. What? 
Yes. And that's, that's, yeah. So shit gets weird in the Saw franchise. And I'm morbidly curious about it, but not enough to watch any of them because I just don't care. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'll break down at some point and watch some of them. I just, torture porn doesn't quite do it for me. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, the first one was cool, I guess, like to a certain extent. It, but it was very much, um, like the thing I didn't like about it is that like you knew there was a sequel coming by the way it ended, but like they didn't tell like there was no it was one of those things where like they didn't they didn't round it off where it could be there it could have a sequel or not depending on the delivery. It's like maybe they maybe they signed a contract for like, hey, we got this idea for like ten movies or whatever. Like <laughs> Yeah, I and, don't know. And so but, they knew but the way it's just the way that the first one ends has this I distinctly remember like a ramp up in the music at the end of it to where it's like building this tension that like doesn't really have a release and then the movie ends and you're just like wait what well, like shit. yeah you're just like what the fuck and it's not like a good what the fuck it's kind of like a, that was like that's dumb what the fuck like there's no like I need I need to I need a resolution here but there was no resolution like I don't know so have you only seen the first one that I can remember. I feel like okay. there are a couple of nights of inebriation where a few others may have been played in, okay. in passing, in front of but you. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily recall them as much as like, I specifically remember the first one, I think because I saw it two or three times. So, uh, and so, and I know it also has Carrie Elwes in it. There's just, I, I don't know. There's no, there's really no reason for me to spoil it for you, but basically like, there's some really dumb shit about the chronology of the series, which you may realize now that like you're talking about the first one builds up to something and apparently saw X is a direct sequel to saw one. I did see the second one because I remember Donnie Wahlberg in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going through them right now. So I've seen the first two saw movies, but that's probably all I can remember. Well, yeah, if you want to hear some very seasoned Saw viewers, the horror movie yearbook will be talking about Saw X on their next episode. Yeah, Please I I am interested in hearing them talk out. about it actually because I, I I've it it's been a while since I've listened to a few episodes back to back from those guys just because my podcast queue is so long. But I did really enjoy the Crow and um the Sleepy Hollow episodes. So yes. Yes. I really I really should have them in the queue more often, but it they tend to get buried under my daily news things that I that pile up on a daily basis. So they did a they did a very like weird mix of Halloween kind of adjacent movies, including those two and Flesh Eater. Um and it's just it's been a good run. So horrormoviebook.com, yeah. please check it out. Check it out. Uh where should we head first? I don't know. What have you been playing? What are you playing on your Xbox or on your PlayStation or on your Nintendo Switch? What you been playing? Uh, Spider-Man 2. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, still playing Spider-Man 2. And I... I um, it's very good. What I will say is that... Um, I'm sad about where it was released because I just kind of want to chew through it to start playing Alan Wake too. 
because Alan Wake 2 is getting rapturous reviews. Yeah, uh, I've been hearing good things. And I'm dying to play it now. Um, but, no, Spider-Man's very good. And they're still doing interesting things from a story standpoint that, like, as soon as you see Venom in the in the artwork and everything, or like symbiote-related stuff in the and, you know, Venom's around type thing in the marketing... I feel like they have continued to find ways to strike out on their own version of the story because it's not just Eddie Brock is Venom. Here you go. There's more to it than that in this one. Yeah. And, um, and I'm enjoying that very much. Um, I do think that like, They've made a number of good changes that I didn't really talk about last time around. Um, the gadgets that you get, like things like uh, your web shooters, and um, I guess web shooters doesn't really count, but there's some other things that like you can throw this thing in the air that will like shoot at a bunch of enemies and pop them up in the air, so you can do air combos instead of fighting on the ground. And there's also like bonuses that you can uh, upgrade your suit so that you do more damage when you're in the air and things like that. So you can kind of synergize the gadgets with your suit upgrades, which is interesting, but also they've made it so that all the gadgets have, they kind of recharge on a, on a cooldown rather than just having ammo that you kind of get as you replenish by fighting enemies kind of thing, uh, which I think works. It makes me less, reluctant to use them uh you know it's like yeah well that's destiny that was always something i didn't like about other superhero games is they they had like a you had an ammo amount uh for specific abilities and it's like you'd never see them in the comics or in the cartoons or anything like holding back from using their powers you know it doesn't yeah. make sense that like Cyclops has to resort to hand-to-hand combat instead of using his eye blaster whenever he wants, you know, like that's his power, literally. Like Right, like that's his it. thing. And it's and it works all the time and there's never any indication and maybe there is now like through canonically through lore and everything of like the amount of energy it physically takes him to do that. I don't know because I haven't read that much into it, but um <laughs> Cyclops you know, is just like housing hot dogs so he has the caloric intake to use his optic blast right twice. exactly or, or like just like for instance like with wolverine right like if he pulls his claws out like theoretically the reason he can do that is because he has his healing factor right mm-hmm. so like it would make sense if every time he draws his claws he loses a bit of life but then it slowly re- comes back which is something i hope insomniac is taking notes on that kind of stuff because mm. i find that interesting you know um as they're building their Wolverine game, which will probably be absurdly awesome. Also it's, good, yeah. It's going to be fucking ridiculous because yeah. they they just know what they're doing with superhero games and everyone should just give them all the superhero games. Um, not, not only that, but also like Wolverine, like even the bad Wolverine movie tie-in games, people liked because they were good. It was fun to play as Wolverine. And so yeah. if you can make a good Wolverine game out of a bad movie then I would hope somebody like Insomniac can just make a really, really great Wolverine game all around. So, But ultimately, like, that's the thing, though, is, like, is Wolverine going to be able to die? Because he can't. 
Like that's so, the Superman problem. I think was the thing about Superman sixty four of like, you, yeah, why would Superman die? He never like, dies in the comics. Wolverine shouldn't have a life bar necessary. Maybe it's a stamina bar, and like when he gets too many hits, he just has to, he collapses for a minute, but then like revives. You know, like and and you, then you've got to get X amount of combos to like regain like the stamina. It's but his he has endless amounts of stamina cuz he's basically a honey badger in human form. Like <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what what they might do with that kind of paradigm cuz yeah, I I think even if he like I think it's okay if he has a life bar but it needs to regenerate without any upgrades to a skill tree or anything. And so like maybe it can regenerate faster later on that kind of thing. I think they could work. They'll work it out. I have faith. I think there's some amount of like, Oh, you can die. Like I can die as Spider-Man as well. But in the end, like he has, you have the tools to overcome anything that you're fighting in this game. You just kind of have to figure it out. Like to me, that conceit, is kind of you know whatever it's like i'm playing a video game like there needs to be some sort of lose condition but i'm interested to see if they do something the only way spider-man can die is if galactus appears with a giant kleenex and pins him in the corner of a wall (laughs) you know yeah yeah but uh no spider-man 2 still still great and um i think i'm probably at least halfway through the story and i think i'm probably like 15 ish hours into it i might be like two-thirds of the way through i don't know something like that i've heard some complaints that it's kind of short but i don't there's so much to do and it's all it's all fun enough like i don't uh they've also like kind of really trivialized the stealth killing because you can make these like web zip lines you can make your own like high up surface where you can just hit square to pull somebody up with a web and take them out basically and so you know obviously as the game goes on they add more things that make it difficult like flying mechanical bird things that can kind of see you so you have to take care of them first they can always try and put something higher than you yeah but they make um, it so you can't just spam that ability no you can i mean you can you can make as many web lines wherever you want and it doesn't really like it's fine and it works out fine so if you're patient enough you can take everybody out but usually it's kind of to me like the challenge of taking everything out without people knowing is fun but sometimes i'm just kind of like i kind of want to play with the combat here so i'm just gonna jump in and fuck people up and that's fine too so yeah, I, I mean, some of, works a lot out. of the humor of the comics, or not, well, maybe the comics, but also the cartoon that I remember specifically was him just kind of like, uh, you know, falling into a, a crowd of enemies and them just being like, what the fuck? And then Spider-Man just being like, oh, yeah. hey, guys, didn't see there, like, you know, and then, then a scuffle happens, you know, like. They, they also do so. a good job of, like, putting you into situations that are like, oh, guess what? You're just going to have to fight here versus, like, also there are some times where it's like, here's the stealth part where you can attack it how you want so that's good right too but no spider-man's good played a little bit of super mario wonder as well also still very good it's a it's a mario game um they have done cool things you said that wrong it's a mario game (laughs) (laughs) that's how you should have said it but you didn't you said it's a mario game it's a mario game because i'm i have integrity i won't edit it and go back and replace it but 
Um, they've done interesting things with some of the online stuff where like, even if you're playing solo, you can go online and there's a little bit of the from software. Like you can, you can get standees that you can leave in levels. Okay. So people can see like where you've put a standee. So like if there's a hidden block somewhere up there and you see just like a standee that's sitting there, it looks like it's on nothing. Then somebody maybe told you that there's a hidden block up there that you can get to. That's cool. Or like, um, they also make it so that, you kind of get packaged in with other people that are starting the same level as you at the same time. So you will see ghosts moving through the level. And if you like die, you kind of just get KO'd and then somebody can come and revive you if they know, like if they see that you died, which is cool. Or if you have like an extra, uh, power up, you can drop it for the other people that are in the level with you so that they can come and grab it and use it in their game. So they've kind of added this cool, like playing together, but not playing together type online stuff. Is, is that tied into the lore of the game too? Not really. No, it's not really commented on. It's just kind of, as far as I know, there's no like multiversal. <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> just, other they felt like adding there. They were like, Oh, Hey, we really liked Elden ring. So we're just going to put this element into Mario. Every, yeah. Like every indication for this game was like, I think there were interviews where they were basically just like, we let all of the young designers at Nintendo just put ideas on post-it notes and we did as many of them as we could. And so I, there's probably enough fans of FromSoft games at Nintendo that they were like, we should do something like this. And people were like, okay. And it worked out. Like, it's it's fun. We're going to give not... Mario a massive sword. <laughs> Mario squish, squishes a Goomba, and then he gets the soul of the Goomba to power yes. himself up. How many no. Goomba souls can he eat? <laughs> Grinding World 1-1 over and over again just to level Mario up. Sounds great. Uh but no, I it's it's uh it's very good. Very good. Lots of good games out right now. And uh not enough time to play them all. So Yeah. What have you been playing? Well, other than Marvel Snap, which the only comment I'm gonna make is fuck werewolf by night. Um <laughs> other than that, I've been playing Triangle Strategy because I bought it for a while ago. It was on sale. It was like it was dirt cheap, and I couldn't say no because I, I was kind of itching to play the strategic. Like I, I was like, do I restart Final Fantasy Tactics again? <laughs> and uh, so instead of doing that, I picked up something new. And um, so far, I've played for a hundred twenty something minutes, and nice. I haven't even scratched the surface of anything <laughs> because it's all been dialogue. <laughs> I think I've had. Three, two, two battles, and one of them was a two. Two of them were two. No, I've had three battles, and two of them were tutorial battles. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm sure the first ten hours is all tutorial battles. My God, it just let me play the fucking game, man. <laughs> like that's what I liked about Final Fantasy. That's the thing. Tactics and Tactics Advanced got right was like they kind of threw you in the shit right away, and then on top of throwing you in the shit right away. Right away, they just like, they were like, okay, um, now you have a bunch of jobs that you can give all your characters and everything. Like, it just, I don't know, like the the onboarding process of the Final Fantasy Tactics games is just handled so much better than this game. 
and I know Ricky's been playing it too. So Ricky, if you're listening to this, which you're probably not because none of our friends actually listen to this podcast, but if they did, <laughs> Ricky, if you are listening to this, comment on how you feel about Triangle Strategy because I have seen you playing it too. And he's a huge Final Fantasy Tactics fan. Um, but yeah, I just, um, it you know, the story is this, like there are these three kingdoms that each one has a resource that the others need kind of thing and they used to war all the time to fight over the resources but now they're like trying to be diplomatic about it but there's still some, some weird, weird some weird sorcerer came in to upset the balance and start I'm a not war even again. there yet I haven't even gotten <laughs> to that part yet I'm still everybody's all I didn't, all I'm fucking just, I'm just you're guessing. probably right you're probably a hundred percent right but I'm still at the point where like my character, or what I perceive is the main character, my and I can't even remember his name because, for whatever reason, yeah, proper. But now. he is marrying like the daughter of one of the other kings to mm-hmm. kind of unite the lands, sort of They're thing. Gonna die at the wedding. Everybody's gonna die at the wedding. Maybe, maybe I don't know. But regardless, style. like I'm not even to the point where like the dark sorcerer comes in to fuck <laughs> everything up and ruin everyone's <laughs> life. You know what I mean? Like I'm not yeah. there yet, and and it's like I can't believe how long it's taking for, to get to this point where like there's actually like a true meaningful conflict in the game because it's just the only, the first battle I had was. I met the daughter at the port that she was coming into and sh- as she was being attacked by bandits. So that was the first tutorial battle. And then the second tutorial battle was a battle between um, our kingdom versus this other kingdom in the tournament of champions or whatever. Uh, and yeah, it just like, uh, again, it was another tutorial battle of, of how to manage your, your characters on the field kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, we're not, I, I'm like, why is it taking so long for it to get into the shit? And it's, it, and I don't know, other than that, the art style is beautiful. It's all done in that isometric viewpoint, um, which I'm playing it on Steam Deck and it looks very pretty. It runs at 60 frames a second, like zero effort. And I mean, it for, for what the kind of game that it is and the fact that I used to obsess over how great Final Fantasy Tactics looks, like this game looks incredible. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, and, and again, it has a great art style because I th- believe it's the same artist who did all the Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Advance artwork. So I'm I'm a big fan of that artist from SquareSoft, Square Enix. But yeah, that's I can't really say much beyond that just because, again, I don't feel like I'm anywhere in the game. Like it's literally just been pages and pages of dialogue, and it sucks because. Like, I want to be into the story, but because I want to also play the game, I find myself, like, rushing through the dialogue. And Mm -hmm. some of it is well voice acted, you know? And there's other bits of it that are just you reading panels. But I wish, uh, I just wish it, it had better pacing to some extent. And I don't know how, if you're building, you're world building this, like, massive three kingdom conflict or whatever... How do you approach that in a um, in an accessible format with world building so that it, it like speeds up and feels right, it, but still explains everything that's going on? Because I'm sure there's all kinds of crazy political jargon nonsense that needs to still be fleshed out that they haven't even gotten into yet. So, yeah, I don't know. I, f- I feel like even like the old Final Fantasy Tactics games or Tactics Advance, like 
Tactics Advance was cool. Like the first snowball fight being the tutorial fight. You can't like you're not really killing anybody. You're it's it's a snowball fight. I think is a lot of fun. But I also feel like there's so much about those games where they were just confident enough in their world that they're just like, we're going to drop you in and you're going to figure it out. Um, I think we're kind of in this weird like overcorrection of like, we don't trust you to figure it out and we wrote all this lore so let's tell it to you instead of letting you just learn it or figure it out from like other people who have figured it out later on or whatever like it's yeah. just a very weird like overcorrection from where things used to be i think so i don't know what the right balance is you know i think yeah i enjoyed fire emblem on the switch Fire Emblem Three Houses, I believe it was called. I I think that, Fire Emblem's a very different game, though. Like, it still, I mean, it has the the strategy battle system built into it or whatever, but it um it has this uh I don't know. Fire Emblem has some charm to it. I should probably go back to that, but I, I found a lot of the other systems to be a lot to keep up with because you have this yeah. fear. You have this fear of missing out, like doing certain things and like not interacting with certain characters like you miss this particular thing or like maybe you miss a character altogether and they don't join your party or whatever that's always frustrating yeah that is frustrating but it's also one of those things where like for some reason i'm so much more willing in fire emblem than i am in like fucking Baldur's gate yeah to just kind of be like this is my playthrough. I hung out with this crew this time around, and like maybe I'll play this game again at some point in the future, and I'll have other characters that will become my stable of characters. But, um, you know, I feel like in Tactics and Tactics Advance, like, you got to know a little bit about the characters, but it's not like you're fucking buying but a that's, birthday that's present. But that's the thing is, shit. like, the majority of characters in the Tactics games were just peons that you then assign jobs to and yeah. spend time leveling there were only a handful that were named characters with dialogue Important story character yeah. right and then on top of that like characters like they had permadeath you know which you could play fire emblem with and without permadeath i think you could turn it off yeah but that was always another frustrating thing is like going into a battle with a character that you spent all this time building out their job you know you have this super powerful healer that does a really great job but they're super weak and somebody one shots your healer and then you're just mm-hmm. like well fuck like and then you have three rounds to revive them but what if you weren't expecting them to die and you didn't go into battle with the necessary stuff because you thought you were like overpowered enough to like not have to worry about them and, like it's just yeah the tactics was a very different game in that respect but i uh yeah i don't, I don't know like I always, um, I like playing these games, but I always have this frustration of, oh, excuse me, like I said, like a, a fear of missing out or something, and I don't want that, like, there, there's, like, choice paralysis and things to do, For and, sure. uh, you didn't have that when you were playing Shining Force, necessarily. No. I mean, there, there was <laughs> some of it, because there were certain characters that you couldn't get unless you did certain things or whatever. But ultimately, like, it was pretty easy to figure out who to get and how to get them. Yeah. Um, 
like the the monk character in Shining Force One. I can't remember his name, but if you don't go back to that church, like you don't get him. Like you yeah. can you can go through the whole game without picking him up, like shit like that. But um, and same thing with like uh like Sweet Coden. There's a hundred eight characters to pick up, and like there. That if there's anything I ever wanted to do in playing that game, it was I wanted to get every single one of those characters, which I did on one of my playthroughs. Yeah, um, no, I, I, every time I play that game, the first one, I get them all. I, but you have don't only, have to. Like you can no. finish the game without them. If you have them, it makes the big, massive like uh, battles more interesting and fun and mm-hmm. better because you're stronger. But it wasn't necessary. Makes your, makes your castle more awesome. And it does make your castle more awesome. Yeah. More more on that next year when they release the first yeah. and second game remaster, because I'm so, excited for that. But I think yeah. that's all I've played lately, though, is Triangle Strategy. We don't have to keep talking about Nice. That. Bring back Shining Force. Seriously. Like... Well, that's... So, even if, like... Even if they don't bring back Shining Force necessarily, I'll, actually, I you know, a remake of those would be fun. And if Sega could get their shit together and do it, that would be sweet because they're giving Sonic a lot of attention, and I think Shining Force could come back. Um, but they're they're still they're making Shining games like in the same universe, like Shining Resonance or whatever just came out last year or something like that, and. I mean, I haven't played anything since in the Shining universe since Shining Force 2, and I always wanted to play 3, which was on Saturn, right? Or was yes. that Dreamcast? Yep. Saturn. So and only only the first part of the three-part game made it to the US. Right, so... But, well, I mean, that's probably their fault, Sega's fault for not marketing properly or something. All well, they did was they pumped all their money into Panzer Dragoon at the time. The Saturn was also just a kind of a failure but yeah no i think uh i think like it's it's weird like the main dev on like the shining force like the shining i guess they did shining force three uh camelot who did shining force three and ended up doing golden sun also just does a bunch of like mario tennis and sports shit for nintendo now and mario golf very strange like I just don't I don't understand how that happens sometimes, but Shining Force, man. What a series. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great series. The Shining series. I mean if yeah. you Wikipedia Shining series yep. it exists. But Alright, yeah. shall we get into some news? Let's do it. And now patch notes with John Bryan. And Alex. But not Brian. Yes. I'm going to do that every time. For every episode he's not here. (laughs) Uh, Let's start off with some sad news. Uh, Destiny 2 developer Bungie lays off dozens of staff. This is from the Polygon.com article. Um, There were rumors that it was somewhere close to 10% of the workforce, uh, which is quite a bit and um the layoffs are apparently spread across bungie's community and social teams marketing legal recruiting art human resources quality assurance and elsewhere um some of the rumors were also that uh 
people like composers and those who were actively working on what would be the final big Destiny 2 expansion for the story that started with Destiny 2. Uh, Destiny 2 The Final Shape, or whatever it's going to be called. Um, people that were actively working on that have, have been let go, and supposedly that expansion is going to be pushed back to, like, June of next year. Uh, but they have not officially announced that as of yet. Uh, this comes, of course, after Bungie was purchased by Sony, and now Jim Ryan, who was CEO at the time of the purchase, is going to be stepping down in this coming March. Uh, so a lot of people are theorizing that Sony might just be pivoting away from the live game strategy that they were supposedly working on under Jim Ryan. Um, this sucks. It's another in a long line of people getting laid off because of the bottom line of the business where they're making apparently a good amount of money, but not enough money for people to be okay with that. Can't just make money. Can't just come in with a profit. It's gotta be growth. And that sucks. Yeah. I, um, I heard about this and I just didn't really know what to say. Cause like I, it's funny. I not. It's not funny, but you see all these companies like buying up all of these bigger, like you know, Sony bought Bungie and is now now they're laying off people and like, uh, what other studio? I mean, Activision Microsoft Blizzard buying Activision Blizzard. Yeah, yeah. You know, and how many people are getting laid off or got laid off after that went down? Like, they well, make they these big. Yeah, they make these they big will. acquisitions, right? They make these huge acquisitions. They spend a lot of money on this stuff, and then they're like, "Well, we got to make it back somehow." So let's let yeah. let's let some of the staff go. Like, we're, we're bleeding, and some of this is kind of redundant, I guess. But I don't know. Like the the Bungie's community, like community lead people, like Destiny Two and live service games live off of having people who interact with the community, right? And like learning from what people are liking and what they don't as toxic and vitriolic as those communities can be like having a healthy community is important to a live service game. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's always just seemed very one sided where like they have this person who's meant to interact with the community and they're literally just a community punching bag the entire time. Like, So maybe it's like, well, you know, maybe we get rid of this little bit of what could possibly be considered a liability <laughs> to some extent, <laughs> you know, for the sake of like, we'll we'll listen to what they have to say, but this way we don't have somebody there who's taken all the hits. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's, yeah, it's hard to say, but also like, uh, I mean, in general, the layoffs, like I said, they're spread across like every department. So this isn't, they're clearly doing like a, like a, an actual downsizing. They're not like cutting a specific department or like a mm -hmm. specific development group that's working on a portion of a game or a whole game or anything like that. It's, they're they're like we're gonna just skim a little bit of everything, like to trim trim the fat. Like the crazy thing is though, like they were gearing up to become kind of uh, like a more than just a single game 
company. Like, Marathon was going to be another live service game supposedly coming in 2024, but now likely pushed to 2025. And, like... Well, I thought they've they've had some response to that that wasn't very good. I don't know. I haven't seen anything to that because I don't know that there's much out there to play as of yet. Like, I think people (laughs) were assuming that there would be, like, an open beta maybe in late 2024, but... um. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's just one of those things where it's like typically you get bought by a large company like Sony to have the funds to do more. And yeah. Sony's big strategy of like, we want to do live service games. And then I think what was also rumored was that like the people from Bungie got a look at the Last of Us Factions game, which was like their spinoff of the original game's multiplayer that was going to become its own live service game for ps5 or whatever apparently bungie came and took a look at it and was like uh you guys don't really know what the fuck you're doing in terms of live service games and then sony was like okay well we're gonna shelve that project now naughty dog is like we're not gonna work on that anymore like (laughs) (laughs) it's it's weird it's just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than just like somebody wanted to you know, cut down on, on the, on the bottom line. Right. The idea that like, Oh, by the way, we're not going to be, we're likely not going to be releasing the things that we were planning to do on time because we literally needed the people that you're firing because they were working on the game that we're working on right now. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty crazy. So really sucks to hear, but hopefully, uh, some of those people will land on their their feet and keep making cool games. You know, I enjoyed what I played of Destiny when I played it, and uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Bungie still sticks around as a name in the game. Yeah, who knows at this point? We shall see. Speaking of acquisitions, um, Atari has bought Digital Eclipse who um, more recently made such games and worked on such games as the Mega Man Legacy Collection, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection, the Disney Classic Games Collection, many of these retro uh, collections of games. Uh, they just uh, pretty, pretty recently within the last year released Atari 50, the Anniversary Collection, which something I've been meaning to check out is apparently like a very voluminous museum of Atari games and the documents and things and planning designs and videos and interviews of the people who worked on these literal Atari games all in a video game package known as Atari 50. That's really Um, cool. Yeah. Like I think digital Eclipse has been doing really interesting work in like game preservation space. And, uh, it sounds like Atari, uh, since they have also purchased Night Dive Studios earlier this year, who's been working on like the System Shock remake uh, and System Shock 2 uh, remake. Um, it sounds like Atari's trying to become this like player in video game history in a lot of ways, which is kind of the most... It's, I was say it's incredibly fitting of them being it's... like the source of video gaming as we know it, like... It feels like the best direction that Atari has had in a long time. You yeah. Know? 
there's been a lot of this weird NFT bullshit and like the Atari hotel and whatnot that they were supposedly working on. Um, but the idea that they're kind of collecting these companies that have the desire to go back and, and make what was once available available again, or like make newer and interesting versions of these things, or just collect all of this like cool information about things. Um, I think is a very cool idea. So, uh, yeah, I do want to check out Atari 50, the anniversary collection. They also released something earlier this year called the making of Karataka, which is kind of the first in what they're calling their gold master series, which is an even deeper dive into a specific game. And Karataka is one of the first games made by Jordan Mechner of Prince of Persia fame, um, back in the day. So, um, Apparently, they're just forging these relationships with some of the titans of the video game industry uh, and and telling the stories and things that could be lost to time as, you know, some of these developers are getting up there in age. Um, so I think it'll be very interesting to see what kind of work they continue to do. You know, Atari went on to say that they will continue to be able to work with people who are not Atari in preserving their games so i think that's really cool did they end up releasing their like new console quote unquote yeah that atari vcs i think is what it called what it was called it didn't really like splash too big uh it was mostly just like a little um see here it was kind of like a um uh 2021 console atari vcs is a home video game console produced by atari inc while its physical design is intended to pay homage to the atari 2600 the new system plays modern games and streaming entertainment via a linux-based operating system called atari os uh this came out in 2021 and uh is continuing to be like i think people are talking about it and and but i think it's mostly out of like a like Atari enthusiast and also like tinkering kind of capacity because it is like a mini computer. Um, basically it's kind of like a raspberry Pi in a lot of ways. Um, so it didn't, didn't hit huge. I think a lot of them got kind of clearanced out. Some people calling it similar to the Ouya. (laughs) I mean, it is $300. So, Yeah. So, um, that's for the all in bundle though. That gets you a, like a joystick and a more modern controller, which looks yeah, like even... an Xbox controller for, it's like they, they took the Xbox controller and like the Nintendo pro controller and combined them in terms of shape. It is still available on, uh, Atari.com. Um, but yeah, don't know that I can recommend that, uh, the all-in bundle has come down to two ninety nine instead of the three ninety or uh, yeah three ninety nine it was originally released for. Yeah, only sold about uh, ten thousand plus units according to Wikipedia. So anyway, digital clips purchased by Atari, uh, probably a good purchase for Atari. Hopefully, it remains a good purchase for digital clips. Yes, sir. Um, 
We talked about Alan Wake 2 earlier. Remedy has provided an update on Max Payne 1 and 2 and Control 2. Uh, this is from GameSpot.com. Uh, and it sounds like Max Payne, this is a quote uh, in a pre- from a Remedy press release. Max Payne 1 and 2 progressed into the production readiness stage. We have gained clarity on the style and scope of the game. And we have an exceptionally well-organized team working on it, Remedy said in a press release. With these accomplishments, we are excited about the project and its future success. And then they went on to say in this article, As for the sequel to Control, the game is still in its proof-of-concept phase. This, uh, the plans for this sequel are ambitious, and we have seen good progress both in the designs and in the game build, Remedy explained. We will continue at this stage for the next few quarters. We focus on proving the identified key elements before moving to the next stage with scaling up the team. Uh, this is, I, I mean, I, Max I'm Payne, all for giving remedy as much time as they need. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Take whatever time you need to make the great games that you're making. Um, I feel like I'm excited for Max Payne because I never did check those games out. And I feel like, uh, playing an updated version of them from the original developer sounds very cool, especially if it's maybe going to tie into all of this Alan Wake and control world craziness in some way, which it might. Yeah. Um, kind of allowing them to go back and build in that connective tissue, I think is pretty cool if that's what they choose to do with it. Um, but also, you know, it sounds like controls probably, five six years out <laughs> which makes me sad but yes take all the time that you need um that's that's a game i mean control 2 i just want them to get it right like i want them to get it so right because control was so good yeah and agreed it it's it kind of i guess it kind of sucks to put that kind of pressure on them but at the same time like i said I, I would rather them take their time and just get it right they can, they can have all the time in the world. And even if in the future, you know, when I'm 90 years old and controlled two finally comes out and, uh, and I, maybe I'm not playing video games anymore at that point in my life, uh, because my arthritis is so bad. Um, I'll just read the reviews of how good control two is. And it was worth the 70 year wait. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, Alan Wake 2 is quite good, and from what I hear, it, 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 uh, Control does play a factor in it, um, but it's not like they co-opted Alan Wake to become a Control sequel. No, but, I mean, we all, if you've played Control, you know that it takes place in the same universe, like... Yes, yeah, yeah, the, the second expansion for Control very much sets up uh, this game from what I understand. So I'm excited to, to break into Alan Wake too. Uh, the game's about story to say remedy is planning on releasing its first story expansion called night Springs in 2024, as well as a new game plus option and an alternate narrative at a later date. So, uh, I think they are selling an, a deluxe edition of Alan Wake two that includes like a season pass, which I assume gives you, uh, not assume i know that it gives you access to such expansions so yeah very cool that's cool the show final story here games rant found a nintendo patent that they filed for an apparent dual screen console that can be split in half and become two separate handheld devices um so 
a little bit of buzz about this since the Switch 2 is very much on people's minds, likely to come out at some point in 2024. Uh, Games Rant says, The patent shows a device that resembles a 3DS but can be split in half for wireless gaming between two players. It also features a touchscreen on the outside for interaction even when closed. Um, and obviously this isn't something that guarantees that it will be the next Switch. Uh, the drawings look cool to me because it looks a lot like a DS, you know? And I, I, there's part of me that feels like the progression from a single screen handheld to a dual screen handheld from the Switch to the Switch 2 would be kind of fun. But I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Like, I'm just trying to like figure out how it really works i think part of what made the switch so enjoyable as like a communal piece of equipment was the fact that you could just set it up on a tabletop flip out the kickstand pull the controllers off and play games with people right there and you're all you're all immersed in the same thing because you're looking at the same screen i feel as though this this is cool because it'll ultimately like open open things up to like playing Splatoon together with a friend. Like, I feel like this was born out of the idea of like only one person needs to have the game in order for you to share it sort yeah. of thing. From the um, DS, yeah. But I, uh, I don't know. Like you can't really make this outer touch screen thing work unless it's as good as, or better than current cell phone technology. Yeah, and I feel like the GUI on whatever that ends up being is going to be garbage. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, just we're using con- the same switch interface that as it came out in 2017 or whatever. Just considering so that on top of the current Nintendo eShop, like, fuck, no, please don't. Miserable. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the idea is cool. Again, the ability to make games accessible to someone who may otherwise not have the opportunity to play. You know, it. I think of the, all the stories of, you know, people in airports with their Switch and, like, some little kid sees it and they, like, pull the controllers off and play around a Mario Kart with some kid who didn't have this, doesn't have a Switch or whatever opportunities for people to play games who otherwise wouldn't have them i i'm all for that which this lends itself to that but i i'm just i don't know um i don't know how they can top the switch yeah as a console slash handheld combined device i feel like this this is something that this whatever they're calling this new dual screen gaming device i don't even know d we can just call it a ds the new ds the um, sds that's the switch yeah. ds the switch ds yeah the sds so with the sds like i just don't think this is something that's going to take off as well as the switch did um and i think just what everybody else in the switch community probably thinks is why can't they just invest into making a better switch. Yeah, like we don't, it's kind of... Like, what is the new... Unless you're going fully into VR, like, there is nowhere else to go with gaming, necessarily, in terms of hardware. I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. 
but the Switch is a perfect piece of hardware, minus its interface. Nintendo's kind of, like, alternatingly been great and terrible at that. And, like, if you think about... Well, each... Console's a stepping stone to the next one, right? So, like, whatever this is going to do for the next version of whatever they make could be fantastic, but I don't know what that is. I I never would have called the Switch. Like, well, that's the thing. Like, the Wii, nobody saw the Wii coming after the GameCube. You know, motion controls being something feasible at that point in time was unheard of. And so. Not really. It wasn't even like something. It was kind of in the same way that people were thinking about VR when, like, the Oculus was starting to be a thing. It was like, oh, that'll be way too expensive. We're never gonna get there. Whatever. And then yeah. we did it, and it was very cheap, and it was massive. And then people are like, how are you gonna follow up the Wii? And they were like, well, guess what? We made the Wii U. It's kind of like a Wii, but it's also got this little screen thing, and it's like. Uh, it didn't quite hit, but it did get them to the switch. And so it's kind of like, like, I, I don't know that there's a world where they can top what they had, what they have with the switch. But I think if anybody's going to figure it out, it's probably Nintendo. You know, I just don't know. If I, it's I just this like, little screen situation. Right. Like, I don't know if it's yeah. the gimmick is what we need. Like, there's like there shouldn't be innovation in the gimmick of these things at this point. What would make the next iteration of the switch great would be maybe a smaller form factor with more power and more battery you know, and and maybe like a bigger screen or something like that. You know, less bezel, like more screen, more comfortable controller of some sort. Like I don't, but like this isn't. We don't need this sort of gimmicky hardware uh, innovation right now. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think I think it's I'm very interested to see what they do because it feels like if they just make something that will play Switch games and new games that are prettier and you know whatever, like if it's still another like hybrid handheld TV console, uh, that's probably great, like you're saying, but at the same time I have a feeling that like Nintendo does want to try and find some sort of they they've been living in this world of not competing with Sony and Microsoft and hey they've run away with it with the Wii and the Switch but uh it's real it's really hard for me to know what would be coming next and we'll just have to see yeah but that's all I've got for patch notes this week. Me too. Me too. <laughs> That's it for this episode, I think. Yep. Shorter one ish. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh but I don't know what what's coming out soon. What what else is coming out for the rest of the year here? I don't even know. Like, I think the like the only thing that I want to buy from here on out is Alan Wake 2. And that's already out. But I'm sure there's stuff that I would be tempted to purchase if I knew 
that it was coming. So let me pull up this Wikipedia article that I always do. RoboCop um, came out. RoboCop did come out last week. I'm interested in that, but not enough to pay full price for it right now when I don't have the time. Uh, Talos Principle 2. I, I enjoyed the first Talos Principle, which is a puzzle uh, VR game. Uh, not VR, first person. I think it did come out in VR eventually. Yeah. Um, so I would like to play that at some point. Oh, um, the Persona Tactics game is coming out. November seventeenth, Super Mario RPG on seventeenth. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did digitally pre-order Super Mario RPG because I've always wanted to play through that game. I never have before. So. I've heard it's a very good um, remake, remaster, nice. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, I certainly want to check that out. What else do we got here? Bluey, the video game, also coming on the seventeenth. Supposedly the day before enters early access on December 7th, which is cool. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, December 7th. Um, House Flipper 2, December 14th, for those interested in uh, in being able to buy and sell a house for profit virtually because you can't do it in real life. <laughs> in real life. House Flipper 2 is for December, you. December 7th is also the day of the Game Awards, so I wouldn't be surprised if that Maybe that uh, uh, day before thing is like a, and it's available now. Not That'd that be it cool. would be a surprise, but maybe it's. I don't think they'd do that, but because I like the they did make a big deal out of saying it was going to be entering early access. So yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of shit that came out in October. <laughs> True. So if there's not a whole lot else for the rest. I'm not too uh, broken up about it. Did you see this shit? The Lost Legends of Redwall? I just saw that pop up uh, in the in the article. I was looking at... I don't remember what I was looking at, but... Um, oh, it was GameSpot. Yeah, what is that? And why is there no information about it? I don't know. It's because weird. I just clicked on this Wikipedia... If they're building a whole game universe out of like the Brian Jacques Redwall series, um, that piques my interest quite a bit. So, so okay, here's the Wikipedia article: Lost Legends of Redwall, originally titled Redwall: The Adventure Game, Redwall: The Warrior Reborn, and Epic Tales of Redwall during development, is a series of six episodic indie adventure games for Windows, Mac, and Xbox One, developed and published by Soma Games. They're the first officially licensed video games to be based on the Redwall book series since its introduction in 1986 and began production following a successful Kickstarter campaign for the Minecraft map Abbeycraft in 2013. Uh, the game tells a new story in the Redwall universe set before and during the first book and features characters and settings from the novel. The initial episode, The Scout, was made available on Steam Early Access beginning in December 18th, 2017, with a full release in September of 2018. What? A PlayStation 4 and Xbox One release came in mid-2019, and subsequent episodes for all intended platforms are planned for distribution in the near future. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, no, there is a whole... There's the whole Lost Legends of Redwall thing on... Uh... On Steam. Is there anything available now? Or is it just like this is still Yeah, coming? no, you can play the Escape the Gloomer 
uh, episode for five bucks. Um, what else do they have in Red there's Wall? Like, there's four more episodes in the Wikipedia article that are planned, but I yeah, I, this is strange. I don't even know what is planned for release that it's even. I mean, the Scout Anthology has a page on Steam. Is that a new game? Where I mean, where do I see that? It just—it's—it <laughs> just says planned release date December first, twenty twenty-three. Okay. Yeah, so that is—it is supposed to be. Yeah, the Scout Act One, Act Two, Act Three. Um. Lost Legends of the Red Wall, the Scout. Step into an epic story-rich world of Moss Flower and the first official Red Wall story since 2011. The Scout is a linear action-adventure game told in three acts. Play as Liam or Sophia, the newest member of the Lily Grove Scout Corps. As the young mice find themselves on the journey of a lifetime to save their home from ruthless pirates, will they reach Red Wall and save their friends before all is lost? Huh. That's awesome. This is awesome. This is really cool. Well, maybe you'll be checking that out. Maybe. If it's Steam Deck compatible. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say. Um, but it looks... Yeah, I mean, I like the little preview trailer they got playing on here is pretty cool looking. Yeah. Um, this is exciting. Cause just because like, the Redwall series of books are very good. Like Martin the Warrior was one of my favorite books. Mainly because he seems, has my middle name seems, as his first name. Seems like a weirdly untapped vein of storytelling i'm sure the, i'm sure it weird. has a lot to well it probably has a lot to do with the licensing just because mm. Pen, it's owned by penguin random house or whatever and they're kind of like licensing uh assholes to some extent i think but interesting well yeah um who's uh lost legends of the red wall is a series game series of games and proud collaborator between Redwall Abbey Company Limited Penguin Random House UK and Soma Games that's cool that's just yeah this is cool this is a cool cool thing Soma Games what else have they done not much The Adventure Chronicles G Prime The Reluctant Redemption of Verity Lux stuff I've a whole bunch of stuff I've never even heard of yeah Interesting. Well, if anybody else is curious about the first official licensed Redwall video games, we will we will probably be talking about these. So, yeah, that's cool. I'll I would I would like to check it out. It makes me kind of want to reread the books if I could re re relearn how to read. Yeah, that would be the most important part. But anyways, uh, you can find all the places you can listen to the show at MidwestGamers.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network gets a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on the network. You could subscribe for as little as $1 a month to help keep our shows alive. Well, check it out. MPN.BZ slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K. Tomsey, David and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks to join the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side Quests are where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to midwestgamenerds at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know if you want to 
check out the Redwall games and if you know how to read. And uh <laughs> Or if you don't know how to read, read and yeah, maybe, or if you do know how to read, you can teach us how to read. Hooked on phonics worked for me. Um, That's a callback. When, when's the last time you heard about hooked on phonics? It was replaced by Coco Melon. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Now, now kids just run around singing songs without blinking is what happens now. (laughs) That's the world we live in. Anyways, uh, yeah. So let us know if you want to hear about Redwall or other stuff. Talk to us. Join our Patreon and come talk to us in Discord. Yeah. Cool. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>